0: Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Uh, before I read our passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer that He would bless the reading and preaching of His Word. Our Father and our God, we come again before you this morning in the name of Christ. And we ask that you would be merciful to us in giving us your Spirit this morning, that as we approach your Word, Christ might be magnified and all things else would fade. We pray that your spirit would press upon us that word that he infallibly inspired the evangelist. That this word might be life to us in our hearts. That it might be fruitful. That we might humble ourselves before you in repentance. That we might throw ourselves in faith upon the glory of Jesus Christ. And that we might render unto you grateful obedience. To the glory of your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. In the previous uh, parable, the paragraph that begins our chapter, uh, Jesus taught that we ought to always pray and not to faint. That One of the ways that the children of the kingdom of heaven wait upon the coming of their Lord is to be constant and faithful in prayer. But there was at that time another group of people that were uh, known for being at least uh, constant and very open in their prayer. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes, we know that Jesus often preached against them. Uh, we remember the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that uh, you know that in chapter six that uh, uh, that the Pharisees prayed in the open to be seen of men, and they had their reward in being seen of men. They got what they were really after in their prayers was to have a reputation of prayer. And so Jesus speaks to his own group of people that were following his disciples and students uh, because there were even there people that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And because of that, because these two things are uh, united in Christ every time he brings them up, who then also scorned others. And he uses, he goes, he's talked about prayer. So now he's going to talk about prayer again. But what he's doing is showing the right way of faith because our faith, our prayer is faith in action and our prayers will reveal what we truly believe and who we truly trust and uh, put ourselves in. And so by the illustration of prayer, he's also demonstrating uh, the nature of faith that is acceptable unto the Lord. We saw this, by the way, in chapter uh, in verse eight of our passage uh, that leads into this one. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth, when he's been talking about prayer. And then in the close of our passage this morning, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other uh, made right with God by this. So prayer is faith in action, but we have these two different types of faith. And Jesus puts before our attention two people, a Pharisee, and as I've already mentioned, a man that had the reputation of holiness, uh, that prided himself in his righteousness and adherence to the law of God, who made himself a model to others to follow in the way of holiness. And we have the publican, uh, the tax collector. And he was despised in the eyes of of Judea and, and the Jews of Galilee and other parts, not just because they were uh, uh, didn't like paying taxes, but it was because, as as I've mentioned before, the way the Roman Empire had set up tax collecting, uh, they would give a quota to their tax collectors. You have to bring in this. You have to pay us this amount of money, and anything else you collect, that will be your salary. So it was a set up for extortioners. Uh, the basically, uh, it was designed to uh, uh, to to benefit those that were very zealous and cruel and and successful, and extorting money out of the people, and the more the merrier. They also had the habit of using publicans or tax correctors drawn from the people of which they conquered. And so the tax collectors among the Jews would themselves be Jews. And this uh, naturally... Uh, made them despised, of course, to their own people. They were seen as, uh, uh, as those that would, um, like scallywags in the days of old, uh, give their hand to the conqueror and uh, enjoy their wealth at the expense of their brethren. And so this is a person not known for holiness, uh, quite the opposite. But he, it's important that we realize that in this parable, he's not talking about publicans as a class, but publican that would nevertheless seek the Lord. Because there are those that were sinners and they cared nothing of it. They did not fear God or man, and this has nothing to do with that. But these are those that will give themselves to prayer. And so, looking first at the one that Jesus brings to our attention first, the Pharisee, uh, we ask, what does his prayer reveal about his faith? You see this in verses 11 and 12. He stood with himself and he prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I get tithes of all that I possess. In verse 11, we see that he measures his worth, a uh, worth that he is thanking God for to be, to be sure, but he's measuring his worth, his righteousness, his standing before God uh, against others, that what he thanks him for is not what God has done in his heart, but that what distinctions he has over against uh, the hoi polloi, the the rubble rousers, the, uh, the common folk, and particularly that publican over there, wherever he was in relation to him, He is approaching God, but his attention is not upon the holiness of God, nor is it upon his own shortcomings in that. In order to to sort of quench his conscience in that vertical direction with God, his mind is not on his offenses against God, but rather on others' offenses against God. And he imagines himself right with God when he brings to mind how many people are not right with God. Sometimes you and I come into the house of the Lord and part of the benefit that we take from it, or at least part of the the calm and the grace that we receive is not that designed by the Lord to give, but of our own making, and that we congratulate ourselves that we at least attend church, that we at least make an effort to be Christian, that we at least look like good, honest people of uh, the neighborhood. And because we can imagine people who aren't, because we can imagine people who clearly are not Christian, We comfort ourselves with the notion that we must be so. But the problem is, he comes before the Lord thanking him for what he is in relation to others. And then by doing so, he's really, he's really seeking and, and imagining that God is pleased with what he is. A self-righteous scorner of others. A prideful beast. A hypocrite. God didn't make him that. God didn't make him to be one that scorns his brethren and trusts to his own righteousness. And so even in his invocation of gratitude to God, he is blaspheming God. Uh, and, and this is because he's measuring himself. Not against the holiness that God requires. Be ye holy because I am Holy because he's measuring himself against his brethren. And, and in so doing, he also, as we see in the second, replaces true righteousness with sham duties. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 12. Uh, if you uh, recall the law of God, you'll know That there is a fast required in the Mosaic law. It is once a year, it is on the Day of Atonement. The tithe is also required from the fruit of one's labor and the increase of the field. But what this Pharisee does is say, I'm doing more than is required. And therefore, I am am coming before you in the righteousness that you require, but a righteousness of my own making. Jesus responds in in 11.42 uh, to such notions. Uh, He says to them, But yo, unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and Passover judgment and the love of God, these ought to you to have done. And not to leave the others undone. But we see, we see how much this particular um, Pharisee loved judgment and the love of God. He didn't at all. Uh, he was not just. He was not kind. He was not merciful. He imagines that works that impress others will therefore impress God. As he says in 1615... Uh, what we saw a few weeks ago. He says, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. But he's not coming to the Lord with an eye to who the Lord is. He's coming in his own idolatry. What the law did not require... He uses to replace what the law did. And this is not a new problem with Israel. If you turn to Isaiah 58, if you turn to just about any of the prophets, you will find this. But it is um, fairly succinct in Isaiah 58, 1 through 7. Isaiah writes, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and for not, took not the ordinance of God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Where have, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, to smite with the fist of wickedness, ye that Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? If it is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him, wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is it not this, rather, that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou art to cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh? This is uh, the requirement of the Lord. And they were using uh, the the outward fasts uh, to justify themselves and wondered why he did not hear them. In Romans chapter 9, verse 31 And I'll read through the third verse of chapter 10. What shall I say then, says Paul, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of by faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And he's not excusing them because of their ignorance. But their knowledge is part of the problem that they that they sought to know God falsely. For they being ignorant of God's true righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They have made that which is not holy uh, to be their firm stay and confidence in the presence of Almighty God. And by doing so, they not only exalt themselves above what is measure, appropriate, and true, and our hearts do the same, but by doing so, we also bring down God, who is righteous and true, who is holy who does not uh, let sin go unpunished, who does not uh, tolerate what is false. But we, as, as the psalmist says, we seek to make God such as one all together as we are. We don't seek to be holy as he is holy. We seek to make him uh, as wishy-washy on such matters as we are wishy-washy. And that brings us then to the second uh, figure of this parable, the publican. And we ask ourselves why the praying publican is counted righteous before the Lord as we have it in verse 14. This one went down to his house justified rather than the other. How so? A publican is a sinner. Uh, he uh, has engaged in great wickedness. But look how he approaches him in verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, uh, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We first see in the Acts, in the way he stood uh, afar off, not near unto the presence of the sanctuary. He did not, the, the typical biblical mode of prayer is to lift up one's hands and eyes into heaven, and this is the typical uh, mode of, biblical mode of prayer. The other one is to prostrate oneself, and if you want to know what that means, uh, our scriptures often say bow, uh, but it's closer in notion to the way a Muslim prays unto God, to prostrate himself before the Lord. But ever so often, as we read in Psalm 40, the weight of sin is such and the, the knowledge of our uh, demerit is such that we are ashamed even to lift our eyes unto the Lord. And this is what he did. He cast himself down and instead of lifting holy hands onto heaven, instead of lifting hands that were not holy, he beat upon his breast This is not to say that we have to do the same things, but he is giving the posture of the praying person here uh, that we might see his humility. And he humbles himself because he knows he's unworthy. The publican came and before the Lord and he minded the others that were also there. The well, excuse me, the Pharisee did the publican came in and he was not minding the sins or the lack of sins of the Pharisee. He was not minding who else was there. It was between God and him. And he minded the holy God that says, be ye holy as I am holy. And he recognized what he was. And knew that he could not lift himself up to the Lord. And he won't approach the Lord with a sham holiness. He knows that God is one, as Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who could know it? The Lord plumbs the depths of the heart. He knew the Lord plumbed the depth of his heart. That he approached unto this court. That he could not do so... Uh, with a fake holiness because he dealt with the true, holy, all-knowing God. And so he won't. His humility is cast upon honesty. That there is nothing to commend himself except God's own mercy. And in this, he follows the great prayers of the saints of the Old Testament. That Moses, when he is interceding for the people of Israel, did not... Uh, put forward their worthiness. He did not put forward his own worthiness. He put forward the reputation of the God that delivered them out of the land of Egypt. When Job struggled with the Lord, he didn't put forward his own worthiness, he wrestled with him because he knew that there only, his only hope was the vindication of the Lord. But when Israel wrestled with God, he would not let him go till he blessed him, uh, because even though he had crippled him in the the hip, uh, that there was no good except it comes from him. And this publican, recognizing he had no good to commend himself. But God, the source of all good, throws himself on the mercy of God alone. John writes in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through the second, the second verse of the second chapter, he says, This is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And we might think that these words might puff us up to, to justify ourselves to find that we walk in the light. But he goes on and He says, if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not." And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. This is the faith of the of of the publican. Says, be merciful or in the Greek, more literally, be propitious to me. A sinner. And because he makes himself Nothing because he empties himself of any false righteousness he goes away counted righteous by god i tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other because he wouldn't be he wouldn't be content with a fake righteousness but his hands was open wide to receive the righteousness of Christ Jesus. This is why Jesus says to the Pharisees, "I come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance, because the righteous will never repent, they don't have any consciousness that they need to, and they won't receive the Lord. He's counted righteous on the merits of Christ's righteousness. So if you look at uh, Romans three verses 19 through 28, or I won't read that far, because now we know that the things whatsoever the law says, it says to so them, they're under the law. In other words, not those outside, but those within the community of faith, that every mouth might be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight before the sight by the law is knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so the man goes away counted righteousness, not on the basis of his own merit, but on the basis of what God provided in his mercy upon Jesus Christ, upon the propitiation. But note that when he goes forth out of that temple, When both of them leave that temple, one is still caught up in the bondage of trying to justify himself and therefore is required to scorn his brethren. While the other is now free to love God and to love his neighbor truly, because when he goes before the holy God, And God is holy even. uh, And he tells us to be holy even as he is holy. And all the perfections are there. And we are tempted by our sin to draw back in horror. Because we know what that will do to us who are sinners. Because he has the propitiation for the Lord. Because he has the Lord's mercy. He can approach without fear. And therefore, he doesn't resent God who commands. He loves God who commands. And because... And because it is between him and God that he humbles himself and confesses himself a sinner and not trying to fake it, then he can love his brethren, whether they be sinners or no, whether they be uh, wicked or not, whether they be uh, glaringly unrighteous or not. They are no competition with him because he is not resting in his own righteousness. He's resting in the mercy of God. And therefore, he's free now to truly love his brother. That brings us to us. Here Paul writes into the church at Corinth, Judge yourselves, lest ye be judged, that you ought to examine yourselves, that you ought to humble yourself, or otherwise you'll fall into judgment. Self righteousness is not only false righteousness, it is destructive of true righteousness. If you trust in your own worth, if you trust in your own merit, if you trust in your own righteousness, that you will begrudge God the strictness of his law, the purity of his holiness. Because the stricter and, and purer you find him, the bigger the contrast between your sham righteousness and his holiness is. And you cannot love one who is turned against you in wrath, who knows uh, you can't love one who you know is your enemy and is set against you. You can't seek uh, to truly be devoted to him. And so if you trust in your own righteousness, you're going to begrudge God his righteousness. And if you trust in your own worth and righteousness, you will also resent your neighbor's worth because the only way you can make your uh, righteousness uh, anywhere nearly uh, acceptable to your conscience is that you're comparing yourself with your neighbor. But if your neighbors are righteous and holy, that makes it harder for you. Because basically what you're doing is this grading on the curve where uh, you're hoping that everybody does poorly. So if you can do good, your grade is higher. But if there are other smart people, they mess up the curve, right? And you begin to resent And there's no one the Pharisees resented more than somebody who had true righteousness and holiness. There's no one a hypocrite resents more than a genuine Christian. It tears down the the ties of love that we ought to have one to each other as fellow sinners. This is why Christ says, you know, don't mind the the smoke in your brother's eye till you have dealt with the beam in your own eye. He's not saying don't mind the smoke in your brother's eye. He wants you to deal with it. But first, you have to recognize that whatever you see in somebody else's heart is just a small bit of what you can see in your own heart. And you have to humble yourself as a fellow sinner before you can help other sinners. Otherwise, you're going to give yourself to self-righteousness and bitterness and strife. You're going to be condescending or you're going to scorn them. And instead of reclaiming your brother, you're going to set him up against you. And dangerously, perhaps also against true holiness. Self-righteousness is false. But it's also anti-righteousness. And it leads to the scorn of brethren. But here's the good thing. That you ought not to fear to be honest with yourself and with God. You know, there are those that, that chafe under the preaching of sin. Uh, there are those that, that would like us to preach more encouraging things. Uh, that, Of course, I would say that, you know. Faithful preaching is encouraging. Jesus preached encouragingly, but he often brought us under to the throne of judgment, does he not? He's also condemning. His message is one of pulling out sin so that it might be condemned, not to leave us without hope, but to show us true hope. And so those that shirk the duty of preaching about sin actually inculcate a sense of self-righteousness that is destructive of true love to God and love to brethren. You ought not to cringe or back up when when sins are exposed. You ought not to uh, respond to the preaching against sin in a way to deflect it upon your neighbor. Oh, I'm glad I'm not guilty of that sin, preacher. That's, that's somebody else's sin. You ought to say, how am I guilty of that sin? I might not be publicly guilty of that sin, but how is my heart caught up in that? Why do I chafe to hear that? Because it's in that... That self honesty that we draw closer unto God because we seek to to rely upon ourselves but we can do as Christ actually said, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him if we humble ourselves there's no there's no there's no fear of humbling ourselves because it's actually honest we 're not going to be discovered that we are you know uh, uh, more sinful than we are if we are Honest about our sinfulness. You know, the Lord made Himself nothing. He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that He might make those righteous that trust in Him, that knew no righteousness. That He made Himself, who is rich beyond all splendor, poor for man's sake, that He might bring the wealth of heaven to us in holiness. He he made Himself of no reputation and took upon Himself our nature that we might be gathered up in Him in His righteousness and holiness. He made Himself nothing to raise you up to Himself. Fear not, little children. The Father desires to give you the kingdom so He will not fail to exalt you who humble themselves before Him. If you humble yourself before him, he will exalt you. But understand that if you lift up yourself in pride and self-justification, he will not fail to abase you. This is the good news that always comes with the warning that the Lord exalts the humble and he that exalts himself shall be abased. Throughout the church, this prayer of the publican has formed, throughout history, has formed the prayers and the devotions of the church. It is at the base of one of the oldest hymns that we have, the Carrier uh, liaison. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. It's, it's at the base of the devotions of the church, East and West. Uh, Lord have mercy upon me, a sinner, in the name of Christ. It is the gospel in Psalm from the perspective of the sinner that the Lord is merciful to those who don't bring all the, the receipts about how worthy they are of that mercy, but rather throw themselves on the Lord's mercy alone. That's, that's what we mean by Sola Christi. In Christ alone we stand, not on our own righteousness. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning in the name of Christ. And we ask your Lord that we would come in him alone, that you would show us that we have nothing of ourselves to give and that we would not grow uh, complacent thereby, thinking that nobody's perfect and therefore uh, our worth is as good as anybody else's. But press upon us. Press upon us that you are a holy God, that you do not tolerate sin, and yet you do receive sinners in mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that that we would ourselves not only not trust in our own righteousness, but that of Christ, but that we also would not scorn our brethren or even those that do not yet know you, but with love seek their good in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.